Hey, it's me, Sam. This is my podcast. Thanks for listening. Thinking about making this podcast, uh, changing the name of it to uh, Things That Get On My Nerves. <laughs> As you can see, I'm, I, ha- I have yet to make it out of the school drop-off line. I'm still stuck in this vortex of hell that I call the school drop-off. Uh, still have the babies with me and uh, just starting out recording here uh, first thing in the morning. I had coffee this morning, so I'm, I'm ramped up. I, it just depends on how the morning goes on if I have a chance to make coffee. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to come on here and give a, a personal infraction to the person... Uh, who apparently decided to give her son a full-on pep talk before she let him out of the van. I mean, I'm talking a full minute of sitting with this van waiting. Oh, I don't. I've already talked about this. What are people doing? You know, I was listening to. Um, <clears throat> I've told you we're getting ready to do the book review for Rachel Hollis, "Girl, Wash Your Face," and I was finishing it up. I'm thinking. I think I'm almost done with it at least. Last night and. Um, she was talking about how she just has accepted the fact that she's not um, the same kind of mom as other moms. And, you know, one of the things that she just does not really participate is the drop off and pick up of her kids. And I'm thinking that's all good and well. And, I'll, and obviously I'm going to get into this more with a book review that, I'm, that Jill and I are going to do. But I'm thinking that's all good and well to know that that's the type of mom that you are. That's the type of parent you are because I'm right there with her. Like if I never had to drop my kids off at school, if I never had to do the drop off line again, I would, I would be all about it. But I think the reality is that that's not, that's not always an option um, to have, you know, bait because she talked about, you know, a babysitter or something like that. Let me put my seatbelt on so I don't get a traffic ticket. Hold on. But anyway, we have fun on the way to drop off for school. Mia screams at me the entire time that she wants her cup of milk. Uh, Max, yeah, here, yeah. Uh, Max typically is uh, fussing because his bottle is right at the same time as the drop off. So he gets a bottle literally three seconds after he walks in the door to the sitter. Thankfully, my sitter is two minutes away. So yeah, it's a good time on the way to school. Um, Clara is usually irritating one or both of the babies. And so they're screaming. It's, it's fun. It's fun times. But anyway, yeah, it's just not a reality, I guess, for me to have a a sitter who takes them to school every morning. And I'm really, I shouldn't even complain because I'm not complaining. I'm very, very fortunate that I have a job to where um, my schedule is flexible and I can, I get to, I should say, I get to take my children to school. Well, not my son. Ain't nobody doing that. He's got to be at school at like 7.15 in the morning. He definitely rides the bus, but I get to take my daughter and I'll get to take the other two when they get to school age. So all is well. I guess. I mean, except it is still annoying to have to do the drop-off line. But, you know how it goes. Here's the other thing. Now, I, I don't... I, I listen... I've talked about this before. I listen to all types of music. I, um, right now, cannot get enough of Lauren Daigle and her new album. I listen to it 
pretty much nonstop. <laughs> Except for when I get in my car, I don't have any type of like fancy um, Bluetooth situation. Like I can listen to, you know what it is. I have to plug my phone in, blah, blah, blah. So what I typically uh, listen to in the car, if I listen to anything, is K-Love. Positive, encouraging K-Love. Y'all familiar? Which is Christian music. And, I, and I'm, I, I might hurt some feelings here, but Christian music is, uh, is struggles. It's, it's been struggling for 20 years. It's ultra cheesy. I get it. There's really no money there. So it's hard for these artists to make decent music. And I'm not hating on them. They're doing the best that they can. But, uh, but here's when I started listening to, to Caleb exclusively in my car was when my oldest son was like six or seven years old and he started, um, quoting one of Pink's, you know, popular songs, something about burning panties or panties on the floor or something like that. Obviously had no idea what he was saying, but He's kind of a genius, and so when he hears things more than once or twice, he pretty well memorizes them. And so I learned quickly that playing any type of music other than Christian music only meant that it was just going to cement in his brain. And so I just kind of committed to Caleb, <clears throat> even though the music is kind of crappy. I'm sorry. Just it's not all of it. But, I mean, they're still playing. I can only imagine from cast, what is it, Casting Crowns or something from, like, what is that song from 1998? I mean, I get it. It was great. It's a good song. It really, really pulls at the heartstrings. But, come on. You got to let it go. We got to let it go. Um, but here's the thing that drives me crazy. And, I, and again, I get that, like, they're listener-supported. They have to do this. This is how they keep this radio show on the air because there's nobody wants to run an ad on a Christian radio station because obviously their listener base is quite a bit lower. They run these fundraising drives and it makes me insane because you can't, there's no music. It's just them carrying on. If you, if you listen to these stations, you know what I'm talking about. I know I sound like a big jerk, but, um, yeah, so basically we're on uh, we're on full on silent in the car until the fall winter fall <laughs> fall money drive it wraps up on K Love because I refuse to turn it on. There's no music. They play one song about every twenty minutes. The rest of it is just them doing this fundraising drive, and it it, it makes me crazy. I can't I can't do it. So anyway, that's that's a uh, that's. That's uh, how I like to start out my podcast, complaining, just complaining about <laughs> about my life and uh, and things that are insignificant, but that get on my nerves. So, how y'all doing? How's everything going in your world? Anything else? You, anything else you want to complain about? Um, I've talked about this before, and I, I still really feel this way. I think that um, I can say that I'm content. And I can also say that Caleb's fundraising drive gets on my nerves. And I, and I feel confident in both of those statements. I don't think that being content means being emotionless or being a robot or being void of any feelings. I think that um, 
being content means I'm annoyed with Caleb's fundraising drive, so I'm content to have silence in my car until it's over. And uh, that's that, even though that's a stupid thing to even care about. But um, what else is going on? So I am uh, working today. Uh, as per usual, uh, my work week is is never consistent. I never consistently work Monday through Friday uninterrupted. My kids had school off on Monday. They had no school Monday. The funniest thing is nobody really knows why. There's nothing. I, I can't find a reason for why they didn't have school. Somebody said something about a conference exchange that because the teachers work late on conference days they get to make up those hours by having a day off school okay I guess I don't don't know Um, but yeah so we went and uh, got clothes for my oldest son's first school dance it's a very exciting time As I talked about before, here we are. It's Wednesday. The dance is on Saturday. As I predicted, they still have no plans solidified (laughs) on what they're going to do. Last night, my son finally said to me, he was like, can you just pick a restaurant and take us to it? I was like, yeah, fine. But don't be complaining. And when I do pick a restaurant and you complain, straight up, you better believe 100% we're going to the McDonald's drive-thru. So, we're doing that. <clears throat> it's a very exciting time. School dance. I don't know what, how it works. I don't know if he will dance. He likes to dance, so I can't imagine that he'll just sit there and not do anything. But, we'll see how it goes. Oh, gosh. Um, I want to talk about something today, but it's kind of intense. So, I'm kind of like... <laughs> dragging my feet trying to think about well how I can fill this time so I don't just come out the gate like bam listen to me I don't want to be all hyped up right out the gate but well let me lead up to it uh let's say two weeks ago on a Thursday I'm driving and I hear my brakes as I'm braking I hear what's what can only be described as the sound of metal just metal to metal screeching I have a question for anybody who knows anything about cars because they say oh that's really bad that's really bad you're gonna you're it's on the rotors now you got to replace the rotor blah 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 you shouldn't have let it get that far I'm sorry was there something that was going on before it got to that point because I didn't hear anything until it got to the point of being really bad and I was going to have to replace the rotors it makes me kind of mad because I'm like I don't want to have to pay for something if I could have avoided paying for it um but I didn't notice anything going on until it got to the point of being bad So, that was Thursday, grinded all day Thursday, all day Friday, just grind, 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 every time that I stop. Saturday, I take my car, Um, thankfully my mom stepped up to the plate and drove me, uh, or followed me, and then drove me back, and then drove me back again, got my brakes repaired, $400, just straight out the pocket, $400. And then, oh, and then they were kind enough to quote me something about a timing bell and coolant and all kinds of stuff. I think the total for all all of those things that 
he suggested it be replaced was uh, around $1,100. Thank you for that information, but I will not be partaking in that repair today. So that was that. Um, and, and what I want to talk about is, as women, um, this is this is I'm, a, I'm gonna I am going to uh, cater this particular topic to women. As women, what can we do in a world that, especially when it comes to car mechanics and household um, type repairs and things along those lines, what can we do to basically to stand up for ourselves and to make sure that we're not taken advantage of financially in those types of situations? I mean, I guess if I had a husband, he might um, step in and, and speak up on my behalf, but... So I guess maybe I'm even talking more specifically to single women, but I, you know, even when I was married, I pretty well handled my, my, um, ex-husband was not, did not feel inclined to really handle much of anything when it came to, came to cars and repairs and things like that. So, and then, you know, I, there was a big period of time, even before I got married the second time that I handled all of those types of things. So in that situation, um, what I did was I actually, my mom said, don't, don't agree to the quote until you call your dad. And I felt like a little kid, you know, it's like, I don't need to call my dad to make a decision on whether or not I want to pay this price to have my tires repaired or my, my brakes repaired. So what I did, I did call him because, you know, dads need to feel wanted. So I did call him. They need to feel needed is what they need. (laughs) I did call him, but I also did the research before I went on what was a what was an average price for the repairs that they had made, um, and so I had a good idea on a ballpark before I even really before they even called and gave me the estimate, and then um, and then when I talked to my dad, you know, and I got the estimate, he said, "Oh yeah, that'll that's a good that's okay that's fine okay thanks." Um, but here's where I want to say is that I think a lot of women get it in their head that I don't have a husband, I don't have a boyfriend, I don't have a man who can help me to manage these things in my life. So I'm just going to, I'm just at the mercy of whoever repairman or car repair or car dealership or whatever. I'm just at the mercy of these people who are more than likely um, going to take advantage of me because I'm a woman and I, and I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, and I, I just want to really dispel that, that belief because I really think as women, you know, I'm not of the, I'm not so much, a fe- I don't even claim the title feminist at all, but if you wanted to say that, I mean, I'm not so much a feminist that I, I think that the statement of, you know, women can do everything, anything that a man can do, I don't totally subscribe to that statement, but I do believe that women, uh, when motivated and when able to take the time can potentially handle their business in in the same way that a man could. Um, Now, could I have, with the time and resources, figured out, I mean, even farther, figured out how to change my own brakes? Probably. Probably. But that's not 
that's not something that I have the luxury of being able to have the time to be able to do that. So what I did have the time to be able to do was to do the research and to make sure that the price and the quote that they gave me was a fair quote. So jump forward to this past weekend on Friday night. I was, it was, it's gotten to where it's like in the mid to high thirties at night. I think they predicted a frost a couple of nights ago. I didn't see any frost if there was any, but, um, and then like in the mid fifties or so during the day. So it's a little, it's pretty, it's a little chilly, a little chilly. And I hadn't turned the heat on yet. Um, because at the beginning of last week, to be clear, it was still in the nineties. So, uh, yeah, so I definitely have was like just enjoying not sweating for the first time since, uh, we had this massive heat wave, but on Friday night, the kids were kind of complaining, we're cold, we're cold. Of course, my son's like walking around without a shirt on. I'm like, put some clothes on if you're cold. What are you talking about? But, uh, so I'm like, you know what? It is a little bit chilly. Let me turn the heat on and just take the chill out of the air through the night. And that way we won't be cold, you know, as we sleep. So I turn it on. Oh, I don't know why I'm yawning. Yeah, I do. Cause I never get enough sleep. <laughs> um, anyway, turn the heat on, turn the furnace on, go about my business, go to bed next morning, wake up, definitely still cold in the house. Furnace has not done anything all night. So I'm like, this is no good. So I call, uh, the company who originally installed the furnace and have them to come out to give, give me an idea on what's going on. Uh, their service charge alone was $180. And I say service very loosely because he did nothing. He made zero repairs. What he did was call, take my credit card information to charge me $180 for staring at my furnace for what I assume was maybe 10 minutes. And then told me that there was a part that I needed to replace and that he did not have it in stock. And he also did not know how much it would cost. Thank you for nothing. <laughs> You're welcome for $180 for you to basically do. I mean, for all I know, he couldn't, I wasn't home. So I don't even know if he even went in my house or even looked at my furnace. He could have just made that up as a part that needed to replace and then carried on. Um, I'm not putting that type of, uh, accusation on anybody. I'm just saying, I don't know what he really did. I don't know what happened once he got there. So I paid the $180. He says, I said, look, is this, I needed a fuel valve or pump or I don't know, something, something I don't know anything about. So I said, look, is the part closer to $100 or is it closer to $1,000? Can you give me a ballpark here so I can kind of have an idea on how much of my Christmas money savings I'm going to have to spend on this, on this furnace part. And, uh, he's like, Oh no, no, no. It's, it's only a couple hundred dollars. No problem. A couple hundred dollars. I'm like, okay, that's fair. I can handle that. So then Monday comes and I get a call from this, this company and they're like, where are you satisfied with your service on Saturday? And I said, uh, no, actually, he didn't do anything. He charged me a service fee and told me he didn't have the part, and I'm waiting to hear the cost of the part. Oh, we didn't get that invoice. Let's work, let me work on it. Okay. So then they call back and leave a message. The part is over $600. I'm sorry. 
if my math serves me correct, if it's 500 or more, that means it's closer to 1,000. If we're talking about rounding things up in, in the world of elementary math. So I don't know what really happened. When I asked him, he told me it was only a couple hundred dollars. Turns out it's 600 so I'm thinking there's there's that's a big chunk of money for a part for my furnace. Um, my mom happened to be connected with a guy who owned kind of a private heating and air company. And so she contacted him. He only charged $80 no matter what time of the day or week it was. Came out last night and essentially told me that they were... Pricing that part in the repair over four times more than what the actual cost of the re- of the part was, and that he had the part that he also identified another issue with the system, and was gonna you know would be out today to replace it for much less money than um, than what the other company had told me. So here's the takeaway, women. Uh, don't take what someone says as their word just because they're a professional. Don't assume that what they're telling you is correct or accurate just because they're wearing a shirt with their name badge on it and they work at AutoZone or they work at... That's another perfect example. I had three people at AutoZone tell me and, and a person at an actual repair shop tell me that my battery was fine, my car battery. And I kept insisting it cannot be fine when every time I turn off my car, my battery dies. Something is not fine. <laughs> I don't care what your fancy schmancy uh, readout machines say, something is not fine. So that's where I want to say is, you know, you may not feel confident. I don't know anything about a furnace. I, I did not do the research in this situation. I don't have the time and I don't even know where to start. There are so many parts and pieces and intricate and little dials and I mean, there's so much to it. I don't know anything about it. But what I do know is that I got a little bit of an idea that they maybe the price that they were quoting me was maybe a little bit higher than it needed to be. And so I pursued basically a second opinion. Um, my mom actually set it up for that guy to come back out because she agreed that it seemed like that first company was overcharging um, and that that I was basically getting ripped off by them. So that's that's what I want to say in this situation is... You know, just because someone is a professional, whether it's a doctor or a a car repair or a furnace repair or whatever it would be, them being a professional does not change the fact, does not, does not warrant them to tell you something and for you to take it as if it's the Bible or as if it's the absolute truth. If you feel like it's wrong or you disagree, speak up speak up, say what you want to say and, and make your voice heard. I think as women, we're just taught, especially when it comes to a man telling us what to do. We're just really taught for a lot of our lives that when a man tells us that this is what needs to happen, that we put our heads down and we agree and we go along with it and that we're being submissive and that that's how we show respect to men is that we we, we do what they tell us to do. 
Now, I'm not talking about a husband-wife relationship. I don't think that that's what being submissive means, even in a husband-wife relationship. But to a, to a, a respect, I think that, you know, that's not what I'm talking about. In this situation, I'm talking about a woman in the community interacting with men as professionals and being able to stand up to that man and say, no, I don't think that this repair is, is, I think that's an outrageous quote. I don't agree with it. I'm going to get a second opinion. Here's another example. I kind of uh, mentioned this a little bit, um, in my previous recording, in my recording last week, um, didn't give a lot of details cause we were still kind of wrapping things up, but my, uh, ex-husband, uh, filed for divorce at the end of August last year. I'm going to get into all kinds of information and, and just, um, you know, just, I talked about how I don't really want to, I want to keep in mind that my kids may stumble across this someday, but I do want to provide, you know, just help and information for women who maybe are going through similar situations. And so kind of framing it that way, but he filed last year. So at the end of August, I hired an attorney pretty quickly because you have to, once, once a person you know, files and you receive the paperwork, you essentially have 30 days to give an answer to that, um, to that filing. And so I hired an attorney pretty quickly. I will say just, this is a, just another, um, example of a, a, a man that I had to basically stand up to and say, no, I, my, the first attorney that I went to, to interview, to look into hiring, um, he was insistent that I needed to provide the information about my foster children to him, my foster daughter at that time, my son wasn't born yet, that I needed to provide the information about my foster daughter to him because she, because she was in my custody, my care, she should be included in the child support order for my ex-husband. And I told him multiple times that that was not accurate. She was not in my custody. I was only her, you know, guardian at the time. And he, he essentially at one point said to me, um, I know what I'm doing. I, this is my job. Let me do my job. Give me that information. And what I said to him was, I'm getting divorced from a man who talked to me this way. I'm not going to pay someone to talk to me this way. And so then I promptly stood up and, and walked out of his office. You know, that's that in that situation. And that was difficult for me. I come from a place of, well, of my first marriage of being physically and emotionally and verbally abused. So I'm pretty beat down. I come from a place in my second marriage of being verbally abused, you know, so I'm, it's really, this is, this is not something that is, that is easy for me. And this really is difficult. Even in that situation, when I knew he was wrong, I knew that that wasn't correct for me to provide. And I did not want to give him my foster daughter's information because it wasn't pertinent to our case. Um, it really is still was still very difficult for me to stand up for myself and then to stand up and actually walk out of that office because it, it it what it does in those situations for me is that it really drags up a lot of old feelings of feelings of be, feeling like a victim a feeling of 
oppressed, a feeling taken advantage of, a feeling like I'm being, you know, talked down to, which is what I experienced in both of my marriages. And so it really drags up a lot of those feelings. Um, but regardless of that, this, that situation. So then I hired a, a second attorney. I went to a different attorney and decided to hire him. So this is in September. After almost 14 months, um, he had done nothing. Uh, he had taken, um, out of my retainer almost $1,500 and he had, really had pursued nothing in the case. Um, there had been no progress. There had been multiple hearings to where nothing had been accomplished. I had, um, you know, there were just a lot of details and factors and things that as my attorney and as someone who was taking my money for a service, I did not feel like that service was being fulfilled. I felt like I was not getting appropriate representation and that he was not um, following through with some of the things that he told me he would do. And so, Essentially, I got to the point to where I was very, very frustrated that it had not progressed and I emailed him and informed him that I was in fact disgusted and that um, I had every intention of filing a complaint um, because I did not, I felt like he had taken advantage of me in, my, in the situation that I was in and had essentially made it to where he could drag out, drag out the case for as long as possible to take as much as the retainer as possible. So in that situation, um, I did stand up for myself. (laughs) I did voice my opinion and the outcome wasn't great. Uh, he fired me. (laughs) His response was, um, now that I believe because of your complaints and your frustration, I believe that the attorney client relationship has been, uh, has been broken. And so because of that, uh, I am filing a motion to withdraw as your counsel. So here I am about a month out from my final trial with no attorney. And so I, I cried, I, I fussed, I told my ex-husband that I would agree to everything because I could not in a hundred years imagine how in the world I'm not paying another attorney. I don't have the money to pay another attorney. How in the world am I going to go into this trial and represent myself? And do they even allow you to do that? I don't, I don't know. And so I contacted his attorney. I talked to him and I said, look, Send me the the copy of the uh, proposed parenting agreement and, and I'll agree to it. I don't want to go to trial, essentially. I don't want to go to trial. I don't know how it'll work. So she did send me um, a copy because, as I mentioned, my attorney had not done anything. And so I didn't, I'd get to see a copy of this proposed uh, agreement. And as I read it, I realized there's nothing in this that I agree with. It would actually be perjury for me to sign this thing in front of a notary and say that I agree with what it, with what it says in it, because I don't, I don't agree with any of it. And so in that moment, essentially I decided that I would, um, with no experience, with not having any idea of how things would play out, that I would go into court and I would represent myself in this trial. And I did. And it was, you know, it was, 
crazy. I told a friend of mine, she was laughing. She's like, I can't even imagine how, how it played out. I'm like, I don't know why I didn't think to do this, but I could have just turned my phone on record and had the entire thing recorded and it would have been hilarious to listen back to. But I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Thankfully, the judge was very gracious and helped me and, and kind of walked me through the process. And I was able to, um, I was able to really basically, uh, accomplish what I wanted to accomplish. And I felt very, I felt good at the end of it because the judge was able, I believe, to see what my concerns were and ruled in my favor for most of the things that I was pursuing. So, so that's a, that's another, another thing that I want to bring up is that I think a lot of times, you know, when we stand up for yourself, when you disagree with um, something that a professional is telling you, when you make a decision that you're going to um, say how you feel and be honest, and, and even if that means that you're standing up to an authority figure or you're standing up to someone, a man who is in a, a professional role or who is supposed to be helping you um, with something that you're maybe not able to do, Obviously, the outcome may not be what you expected it to be. I never in a hundred years would have thought that after complaining to my attorney about him not doing his job, that he would, (coughs) that he would, um, fire me as his client. I could have never predicted that. I actually was, I remember sitting and reading the email and thinking, oh my gosh, I didn't even know he could do this. I didn't even know that after taking all that money and and not doing anything that he could then fire me because I complained about him not doing anything. I didn't know that that was even an option. So obviously that did not play out the way that I thought it maybe would. But here's the other thing that I want to just say as a takeaway. Looking back now, I was devastated. I was scared. I was angry. I was frustrated about losing all of that money and not accomplishing anything. I was terrified about having to, uh, you know, potentially represent myself and what that would look like. But when I look back at it now, I can see 100% that God's timing and God's plan in that situation was exactly what it needed to be. If my attorney had represented me, I absolutely believe that I, the outcome of the hearing would not have been, uh, what it was with me representing myself. And I don't mean to say that I'm like some, uh, I'm like, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I'm not saying that I like am a better attorney or I have any idea. No, what I'm saying is because I was able to question, uh, my ex-husband and because I was able to speak on my own behalf and because I was able to question my mother and, and I have personal intimate details of the situation and my attorney had never really talked to me. He had never really asked me to know what types of questions to ask or how to pursue the things that I wanted to pursue. So because I was able, because I you know, did that on my own, I was able to really pursue, um, you know, details of the situation that my attorney would have never known. So that's to say that, you know, as another just takeaway is that in a situation where, where we may look at a, um, a scenario and feel like, 
how could this possibly be, um, you know, how can this possibly be what God has for me? How could this possibly be the way things are supposed to go? How in the world am I supposed to manage this? Why God? Why God? Why God? I know I said that a hundred times. I want to be, what I really said was, I want to be done with this. And now I don't have an attorney. How am I ever going to be done with this? But walking through it, and, and I think this is where having faith and trusting and knowing, which is so difficult in an, in, a, in an overwhelming situation like that, but having faith and knowing that God will carry you through and knowing that God has uh, a plan and has direction um, for your life and trusting in that process. Um, I'm so thankful that my attorney fired me. Now, <laughs> after the fact, I'm so thankful that I represented myself because now I know that based on some of the things that were ordered that my daughter will be safe and that my daughter will have, um, you know, will have some safeguards in place that will help her when she does spend time with her dad. So that's pretty well it for today. I just want to encourage, like I said, I just want to encourage any women, um, and I guess even men, I mean, I think as a man, you may be the most burly, manly person out there, but if you've never learned how to work on a car or maybe your dad, you know, you didn't have a dad involved who taught you, or you never took it upon yourself to learn on your own, that you could feel just as intimidated as a woman, um, walking into a car repair and, and how, and being told that this is the cost of your repair. Or this is how much it's going to be to do this and that. Or you can be just as intimidated, um, or overwhelmed with a heating and air repair guy who tells you that one part costs $600. It still blows my mind. So yeah, I mean, I, not just for the women, I think for a man as well, you know, um, being able to stand up for yourself, being able to fight against, you know, if you don't agree with it, if you don't think it's right, if you don't um, believe that that is the the way that it should be or the way that how much it should cost or if you don't, you know, I've heard a lot of women talking about how um, either with themselves or with their children that they've had doctors that have told them this is a diagnosis. This is what it is. This is how, what you need to do. And that they have just said, no, no, I don't agree with that. I don't think that's right. And you have to, you know, I don't know what you want to call it. Intuition, gut, whatever. But if, if it doesn't feel right, I think that I just want to encourage men and women, whoever is listening to just stand up for yourself, stand up for yourself, uh, be confident that you are strong and smart enough to be able to say um, that you don't agree and that you want another opinion or that you want to do things differently or that you want to represent yourself in your divorce trial. <laughs> I did not want to, by the way, but I am glad that I did. Um, you know, or that you want to have someone else to look at your car. You want to go to a different doctor, whatever it would be, you know, take, take the time to stand up for yourself and to, um, and to be confident in your voice. I think we have to know that, um, as women, I'm going to say this to women that, you know, God created us, um, 
equal and that, you know, maybe not physically equal when maybe we're not able to do all the things physically that men can do, or maybe we're not, you know, uh, inclined. Our brains are different. We're different. I'm not saying that men and women are equal. What I'm saying is that God didn't create us to put our heads down and to just take the world, take the world as it is. You know, God created us strong and he created us confident and he created us with a voice. And so being confident and knowing that your, your father is the king and you're, 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 you have the authority and you have the right to speak up for yourself and to stand up for yourself and to not be taken advantage of and to not have, you know, give away your money when you don't need to or, or, you know, any of those things that I've mentioned. So that's that. Stay strong, women. Stay strong, men who don't maybe know anything about, about a car or whatever it would be. Um, yeah, just, just, I just, I just really have been, like I said, confronted with quite a few situations over the past couple of weeks to where I've kind of been like, uh, I don't, I don't really agree with that. And I've had to kind of, like I said, sometimes it's shook out okay. And sometimes it's, it's not been, not been what I thought would happen, but it's, uh, it works out. It, it all works itself out. So I'm going to wrap it up here a little bit shorter than usual. I've got a patient. I'm going to do a little bit of work today. Of course, my day ends at 2.15 because I'm serving dinner to a bunch of middle school football players this afternoon (laughs) before their football game. Um, Just trying to help out when I can, even though I probably should just work and like not volunteer for everything, but no. Um, so yeah, catch up with me on Instagram. Uh, it's me, Sam. It's dot me dot Sam dot podcast. You can also send me an email anytime at that same handle at gmail.com. You can check out, uh, check me out on Twitter. I haven't been on the Twitter too much lately. I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, and then I just really have loved, like I said, on Instagram, I've really just have really loved connecting with, um, other women and stuff and being able to, to see their kids and their pages. And I don't know, I'm really liking it. So, um, and then you can also check out the Facebook group. It's me, Sam. I'm like, it's cold. I'm congested, of course. So, all right, that'll be about it for today. I'll plan on checking in with you. I'm hoping now that this is the last football game, we're done with soccer. I don't really know what our next venture is going to be, but I'm going to have a little bit of time off here. And so I'm going to start getting some, uh, guests scheduled. Haley is going to be catching up with us soon. So, um, We'll be hearing from her and a couple of other um, people that I've talked to. I've got those lined up as well. So uh, catch up with me. I hope you all have a wonderful day and I'll talk to you the next time. Bye.